1: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to Leadership Matters. I'm Jenny Frommer. I co host the show with Dr. G. And yes, we've been hearing from listeners that it's really time we change the promo and also put up different pictures, and we're working at that. Um, but I'm really pleased you're joining us today on Leadership Matters. Um, we're talking today with Carl Peterson, and we're also going to be exploring um, Good Works Leadership Academy and specifically focusing on program evaluation and outcomes, if you recall, uh, about August, we actually had John Janetta on the show, and he spoke about an internal leadership program that he does at his agency at Heartland Family Services in Omaha. And today, as I said, we have Carl Peterson, who actually has been working with John Janetta at Heartland um at their family service agency, and I want to introduce Carl, and thank you so much for being with us on the show today.
3: Thanks for having me.
2: I'm really pleased that you're doing this with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Carl Peterson. Um, He actually is how I know Carl. We are both pursuing a Ph.D. program in human capital management from Bellevue University, so he's a fellow student. Uh, Carl completed his Master's in Business Administration, also from Bellevue University, and has a Bachelor of Science degree in Management Information Systems from the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Carl Peterson is currently the Lead Business Intelligent Analyst at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Nebraska. He has fifteen, more than 15 years of experience in information technology as a project manager, a business analyst and business intelligent analyst supporting finance and operational business units. So as you will hear, he's really qualified to talk with us today about outcomes and program evaluation. And just one other thing to know about Carl is that he's been teaching at the Bellevue University on metrics and measures and also served five years in the United States Army as a military intelligence specialist. And we thank you for your service when you did, Carl. Thank you. So, I really want to just kind of open the show today asking you to talk a little bit about um, how you got involved with Heartland Family Services.
3: Okay, Uh, I was kind of fortunate. Um, I've been uh, just started the PhD program, so I was kind of looking for a program to evaluate. And I'm 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 very interested in leadership and how leadership impacts organizations. Um, how basically they develop a culture, and uh, we had been talking, and you mentioned that John, um Janetta was implementing a uh, the leadership academy at Heartland Family Services, so. Fortunately we got together and had some lunch and then I talked to John a little bit more about it later and uh, he, he was interested in how it would impact the organization. So I thought it would be a good opportunity for me uh, in the Ph.D. program to complete this as, a, as part of one of my papers and work with John here in the community um, because he's not for profit. And and really do some good work for them as an organization because I think they're doing a good job for um, our community. So, mm-hmm.
2: and and Carl, um, I wonder if you could just maybe describe Good Works Leadership Academy as one of their internal training programs at Heartland.
3: Yeah, so I've had a chance to interview everybody that's gone through the program, and a couple of the the senior leaders at at Heartland Family Services about the program. Um, there are, I think, about eight sessions, and each session has a little bit different topic. Um, a lot of it is real introspective, so there's some stuff on authentic leadership. Um, I know in their first program, they do a an obstacle course, and I think that kind of builds some rapport with the group because that's the first thing they come out and do. Um, they work together. A lot of people had talked about how exciting that was. Some people thought it was scary, but they did see um, the value in the teamwork that they developed in just that short program, so I thought that was valuable. Uh, they do some things on creativity, which I found uh, interesting because it's not real common for organizations to – to develop creativity in their workforce, um, at least in the in the brick and mortar kind of buildings that I've been in and, and occupations. So, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things. There was a process improvement program, and I'm not I can't remember the process improvement that they do, but it's it's for the nonprofit counseling type of organizations. So they went through an entire exercise that was simplified for them to understand that process, and then ultimately they took um, that methodology through the rest of the program to create a change intervention for um, Heartland Family Services. So that is one way to build in outcomes for a program like a leadership program in the organization, which I thought was very valuable, and it helps them reinforce the learning, helps them build the culture of process improvement.
2: Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that has been going on at Heartland Family Services, and I've just been notified that John has actually joined us. So I'm really pleased about that, and maybe he can comment on, on what you've just spoken about. So let me introduce John. John, welcome to the show.
0: Hi. Sorry I'm late.
2: <laughs> no problem at all. We're just so happy to have you. Sure. Um, and let me introduce you. John has nearly 30 years of experience in the nonprofit sector, focused primarily on helping individuals of all ages. Um, he is the CEO at Heartland Family Services, and he leads the hun- 137-year-old human service agency to address critical needs of vulnerable children. You haven't quite been there for that long, though, John, right?
0: No, not quite. Just three and a half years.
2: Okay. Um, And you service the Nebraska and the Southwest Iowa um, area, and we've been talking, and uh, Carl explained how he came to meet you and how open you were about having um, someone like Carl with his background in metrics and measures. and. Um, all of his experience and everything that we as students are learning in the PhD program, um, the Human Capital Management program at Bellevue University. And so you were listening in. Any comments that you have about your leadership matters? Um, we're in Leadership Matters, your Good Works Leadership Academy.
0: Yeah, um, well, I think um, Carl did a good job of um, sort of uh, describing it. Uh, just to say that um, I'm really excited to have Carl be involved. I mean, even though so far he's been focused on collecting information already, just that process of collecting input from the employees who have already been through the program has been helpful for the program itself because people subsequently talked to me. It it, it kind of jarred loose some ideas that people then um, got to talking about, and I think it sort of re-engaged some of the people, especially those who went through the first year, because now we're in the third year of the program, um, as they thought about how impactful the program was for them, and um, so I'm so like for example, this year uh, we changed the order of um, some of the seminars because after they had those discussions with Carl, it sort of for some people really crystallized in their mind how the program could be even better. For example, Carl talked about how we um, have a seminar that focuses on creativity and innovation. Well, we for the first two years that that program didn't happen until about January. So um, we had already completed several different um, seminar days before we got there. At the same time, the the um, seminar on process improvement, change management, leadership, and change management that didn't happen until February. And as a result of of completing that seminar, the participants are asked in small groups to in- initiate a capstone, just like Carl was talking, mm-hmm. a capstone project where they identify some small level change, implement the process. Um, record the outcomes, and then present on it to the entire leadership team mm-hmm. as part of the graduation
2: process. Mm-hmm. And, and I also w- want to clarify that these are all employees of Family Heartland.
0: Yes. Um, yes. I, I mean of Heartland, Heartland Family, Family Service. Services. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And, and we usually try to have maybe 20, 25 people in the class.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And for, and we're very strategic about making sure we get people from uh, all the various major departments, departments. Um, so that we can integrate them in the groups to help build more cohesion in the agency across all these various departments and geographies and what have you, and that's been another really, really good um, outcome. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, but what the employee said was, when we have, when we had it set up that way, it didn't give them enough time to really implement their. Cha- they really rushed them on their capstone projects, and and they said it would be so much better if we could have more time if you'd move it up earlier. So this year. The um, second session that they had was on change management. And then the third one was on um, creativity and innovation because that information is helpful to them as they think about what their project is that they want to do. So we, mm-hmm. we coupled them more closely together earlier, and now the other sessions will follow behind.
2: Mm-hmm. So, how does one go about deciding to do a program evaluation, and what kinds of outcomes do you identify as key performance outcomes, or, or is it more of kind of a process evaluation? You know, Carl, maybe you can jump in and kind of tell us how, what 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 happened. What, what did this look like on the ground?
3: So, when I started, um, I really didn't have any idea where I would. I would look, and, and when I first spoke with John about where we would measure, I said it would probably be good if I did kind of the qualitative analysis. The first step in in this whole research project was to really understand what the program was about, what people were getting out of it, and then from there try to discern where they were going to um change or how they were going to change maybe a process or what they learned about managing someone else that would impact an outcome you know downstream so maybe um, we talked about engagement early and and that wasn't anything that we thought well for sure we're going to look at engagement and see how everything impacts we just kind of thought that might be something that if we get down the road we can we can look at that and see if it's important at the time um, we start looking for more measures um, and I also looked at you know, uh, just high level, how does it impact turnover? How does it impact uh, employees wanting to stay at the organization, employees growing in the organization? I think there are some value, um, valuable things when you keep your employees. When you develop them, they develop relationships. Your whole network within your organization builds, and hopefully that builds a, a network outside. Of the organization too, um, with all the context that people have so really, I just spent a lot of time getting to know the people in the program as as well as I could and what they got out of that and hopefully we can kind of narrow what we're going to specifically measure you know in finances maybe return um, uh, returns from maybe not hiring as many people or maybe mm-hmm. people not leaving, so there are all kinds of hidden costs that that we can begin to look at to see if if that 's what what we think it would impact so
2: yeah one of the questions that i 've been sitting and thinking about if I were a listener, John, is how, what kind of language do you use when you talk to your staff and your employees about somebody, quote, from the outside who's going to come in and evaluate and measure a program that you've designed, that you brought to the agency, that given your wealth of expertise and knowledge and leadership was something that you implemented. What kind of, What does that sound like? What does that sound like?
0: Well, you know, what I told everybody was that we we're um, fortunate to have um, Carl, who um, is earning his doctorate in human capital management from Bellevue University and uh, was interested in helping us evaluate uh, the effectiveness of the program. And uh, in so doing would be also contributing to the body of knowledge about this sort of work through his um you know, dissertation and and research um, in his doctoral program. So um, basically, everybody gets something for this, and um, we get to be a part of I think some really important work that's happening um, across the country, really across the world, um, in the area of human capital um,
1: management mm-hmm.
0: and development. So um, you know, people here we we do this kind of thing all the time, and mm-hmm. so it really I didn't I wasn't I didn't have any concern that anyone would think oh gosh why would we do this and this is scary or mm-hmm. what have you we. we we do it internally, and mm-hmm. we're always open to have people externally come in and do the same sort of work. There's just sort of a culture around quality improvement,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: so people just get it. They're excited about it, so I, I think most people just made like,
3: oh, wow, this is great. We're lucky. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to jump in, too. Mm-hmm. And, I think and
2: we, we are going to go to break, just warning you, but we can pick this up when we come back. Go ahead, Carl.
3: Okay, well, um, so when we come back... Let's mm-hmm. talk, maybe we can talk about how we get practitioners and then scholars, and I don't really consider myself a scholar, together to do these kinds of things to see where these programs actually impact the organization and, and how important it is around in any organization to do that. I think that's mm-hmm. important. So yeah, Well, we
2: will pick that up when we come back. And uh, you're listening to Leadership Matters. We're going to go into a commercial break. And Leadership Matters, is about informing leaders, inspiring solutions. We'll be right back.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email g at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joke All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: Hi, this is Jenny Fruma, and thank you for rejoining us after the commercial. I'm with El Jewish Family and Children's Service in West Palm Beach. We're a nonprofit. And today we're talking with John Janetta from Heartland Family Services in Omaha, and also with Carl Peterson, who, um, at the beginning of the show I introduced him and his background, and he is working with John Janetta at the Heartland Family Services and measuring and looking at evaluation of their Good Works Leadership Academy. During the break, and just before we went to the break, we were talking about nonprofits and how important a culture of quality improvement is, and I think this is me speaking personally um, and professionally and being a COA, Council on Accreditation peer leader, a peer team leader, that I think that we, as non-profits, tend to potentially kind of avoid the accountability of um, ongoing performance improvement. And um, obviously, generalising, but you started saying, Carl, that you have some really some concerns and some ideas about how we all could work together more effectively.
3: Yeah. So, from having. Fifteen years in business intelligence and um, watching people implement programs around quality and um, process improvements and things that are really um, pretty measurable, objective measures. So you improve improve a process, you go out in and um, work it for a while, the new process, and then you measure the outcomes, you see if you've improved, and then you can make those incremental improvements. Um, what I thought is what I thought think is interesting from a business intelligence perspective is we do a lot of training on leadership and supervisory skills and these these things that aren't necessarily concrete and so easy to measure, which was really my interest in the Heartland Family Services Leadership Works program, is um, I wanna see how that impacts an organization. And I think it's important as a academian and PhD student and um somebody in a scholarly type of environment crosses over into a business and says, Hey look, this is where your program is 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 making the most impact. Perhaps that isn't what you intended it for or, or perhaps it's something you did, so let's see that it worked. And if you did look at it and say, I think it's going to improve here, and your organization doesn't improve in that area, I think it's valuable that you know that so you can make future decisions just like you would any process improvement. I think the value of um, us doing the research within an organization who's practicing their everyday operations and then being able to present that just shows that... um, academics and scholars are not isolated from the the business, and they shouldn't be. And that's really the purpose behind the Human Capital Management Program. And the the vision that the instructors have and the vision that the students have is that we need to align business with education. We need to demonstrate that um, organizations can implement these soft skills programs or these introspective um, programs for individuals that ultimately uh, enhance the organization so
2: I think that was really well said about uh, how important it is to do that crossover and John jump in time any comments that sure. you have um,
0: I just agree you know so far yeah. you know everything Carl said I just totally agree with yeah right on target
2: mm-hmm.
3: oh good then I'll just keep talking <laughs>
2: <laughs> um one of the things, and at some point within the show we really want to get to, is um, what kinds of things have you learned through your beginning process? John, you said it's the beginning process, but what kinds of things have you together learned about uh, good works as it refers to program evaluation and outcomes?
0: Well, um, you know, initially um, I was thinking when carl talked to me about this i thought yeah this will be exciting we'll get some really interesting um and useful information about just how effective this program is at the same time i i realized i didn't i didn't need the information to be committed to the program like sometimes i think people who like if i were working in hr in an organization and i were developing this program i would feel somewhat compelled to be able to get this data to prove to the ceo and the leadership team that this was an effective use of resources and that we were getting a return. Um, So I'm sort of – I'm not shackled to that requirement. I know it's a worthwhile investment, but it's so great to start getting some specific information, um, not to not to continue to justify the the expenditure, but to help make the program even better than what it is, what it has been. And I think I told you this the last time that we – when we first interviewed and we were talking about the program just in general – I I told the very first class of um, employees, I apologized to them at the very first session, probably the very first five minutes. I said, I'm really sorry that you're in this first class because you need to know that your experience is going to be the worst of anybody who goes through this. Not that it's going to be bad, it's just that because you're going through it now and you're going to give me feedback about what would make it better and so will the next class and the class after that, that as this goes down the road, it's going to be much, much better, much different than what you're getting this first time around, so...
2: So they were able to contribute to your developing the program more, yeah, more robustly. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And um and, and that's another great thing, you know, it kind of I think maybe ties to the cultural qualities. People understand that and they're not afraid to give feedback. You know, mm-hmm. like there's no um fear that oh gosh, if I say something, you know, that'll make John mad or it'll mm-hmm. hurt his feelings or whatever.
2: Right.
0: So no, they just lay it right out there and that's great.
2: Yeah, so in your not having to quote justify a program like this, um, your openness, and I, I keep saying that, John, because I also know you from the executive leadership program and we've been around other organizations, and not all organizations would be as open as you have been to some kind of external, um, Input and you know it's it's kind of like going into an organisation and really looking through a microscope and saying okay uh-huh. yeah what's working what isn't you know where do you put this stuff how does this look yeah. so you're being open to this and you've explained that that's part of the culture of um, quality improvement so from your perspective Cole walking in there what was that experience like and what are what are some of the beginning findings that you are able to talk about.
3: Um. Actually, it was it was refreshing because I I have um, tried to work with different organizations to see if they would be interested in it, and you get shunned pretty quickly when you say I want to you know evaluate your leadership program to see how well it it's impacting the organization, and the conversation kind of ends there, um, a lot of times. But if you go in further and you say, but think about the the way that your program is impacting your employees, there's a section in um, the Good Works Leadership Program that has well-being in it, and it's really focused around the employee. And I, just sitting through the, the program, I didn't see any real value in how that's going to contribute to the organization, but then you sit back and you think, well, think about the, the employee's well-being, think about their health, think if, if they spent another 15 minutes um, of their time, maybe driving back and forth to work, thinking uh, through how they can handle a better stressful situation, or they can handle something else. That may reduce um, a lot of, I guess, extra costs outside of that of, okay, so maybe they miss a day of work, or maybe they've, you know, are feeling under the weather a little bit more often. So, there are all kinds of factors that this leadership affects. It doesn't have to affect the um, dollars. It may reduce some turnover. And when, when I initially spoke with John, um, I said, I'm not here to judge you or judge the program. I just want to see where it impacts the organization because I think that's important. And as I've gone through the Ph.D. program, um The individual impact is as important. It may be harder to find. It may be harder to measure. But those soft skills and those things that build relationships among your staff, those are just as important. And part of what we do is trying to figure out how do we measure those relationships and how that impacts the organization.
2: So well-being would be and include, then I'm assuming, things like job satisfaction? How people feel about being at work and working with peers and colleagues.
0: Well, we focused on several dimensions of well-being, which included financial, um, career, social, community, the a whole the whole gamut.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And we and talked about we talked about some of the stuff that we learned, Jenny, actually, in the Executive Leadership Institute. I shared information about um, Professor John Trotman's research into. Um, Total compensation mm-hmm. um, to get them thinking about in the financial area um, all the ways that they um, derive benefits from work and and to start thinking about what were some of the things that were most important to them and were they getting what they needed by their employment through their employment, Hartman Family Service. I mean, you know, this morning I um, had the opportunity. Our all of our clinical staff meet once a month, and um, I attended this this month's meeting. They invited me to come because they had a a panel of about um, seven or eight of our clinicians who are presenting cases um, based on several of the different evidence-based practices they've been learning about and implementing over the last couple of years. And so I got to learn about all these different evidence-based practices and then here are these. Really interesting uh, Mm -hmm. stories about these clients that they're working with, and I mean it's really nothing short of heroic the work that these people do. I mean it's absolutely incredible because it's one thing to learn this, um, you know, this sort of structure or this research based method of helping people, but then there's all kinds of nuances to actually implementing it and make it making it making it an authentic experience for the people or the person going through and having it actually be really and truly helpful. And so I was sitting there listening to all that and I was really struck with how important it is that the environment that we provide for our staff be as healthy and positive and supporting and uplifting as it possibly can be because they're dealing with some really serious, complicated, and sometimes horrific issues that these individuals and families bring to them. And if stuff at work gets in the way of that, that's not good for anybody. I mean, Mm -hmm. they already have enough on their plate trying to absorb these situations trying to not take on the, the vicarious trauma that these that their clients, I mean, all day long, client after client mm-hmm. is coming in with some level of trauma, sometimes significant and really horrible. And to not take that on requires a great deal, I think, of emotional health and well-being. Right. So that's and, why, to, mm-hmm. in my mind, especially with the work that we do, well-being is so important. But I think it's mm-hmm. important for anybody doing any kind of work anywhere.
2: Well, and, and you can't I'll divorce often think- the
0: person you are from the rest of your life from work
2: right and i often think as we go into the break again that um just my two cents that that those are the kinds of things that really prevent burnout and people don't always recognise burnout and don't always understand that they really need to be responsible for burning out and trying to avoid that from happening and so this focus on well-being I'm really pleased you brought that up Cole is something that is really important we're going to go into a break now and when we come back we're going to continue our discussion about Good Works Leadership Academy and focus primarily on program evaluation and outcomes you're listening to Leadership Matters informing leaders and inspiring solutions we'll be right back
1: Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of san diego funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness we hear it and read about it every day in the news Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G.
2: Hi, this is Jenny Fulman. Welcome back. To- to leadership matters informing leaders and inspiring solutions today we're talking with John Janetta from Heartland Family Service and also with Carl Peterson, who has been engaged with Heartland Family Services. Um, really doing some outcome measurements and um, program evaluation of their Good Works Leadership Academy, which is an internal leadership program that is being done at Heartland Family Services. So uh, welcome back. And Cole, I wonder if you could maybe kick off this segment talking about your findings and what that experience has been like actually uh talking with staff and beginning to evaluate the program and what's in the future what are some of the next steps regarding the outcome measures
3: um, sure so some of the some of the first things um as i just uh i think there were maybe 5 or 6 different interviews there were group interviews um, and there could be anywhere from three or four people, I think, to, I think the largest group was around 20, wasn't it? John, I don't know if you remember yeah, what I you think scaled. Yeah, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, there were varying size groups, and it had um, some senior leadership, your executive vice presidents, down to some directors. And then I think even in the last one, there were some some people that were almost line-level kind of managers. So, I just, the questions that I asked were really to find out what it was they thought it would impact. So... Um, when I, when I was speaking to the executive leadership, it was a little bit harder, um, to, to come out with what they thought would measure. They just thought it would be a good program. Um, when I got into some of the other staff, I just started to, to think, well, maybe this is going to impact their turnover. So, um, what do you, what do you guys think? How do you think this impacted you? And I actually had one of the, the groups talked to me about a person they thought and had had conversations with in a counseling session, um, not a counseling, but a, a feedback session for work that thought they may um, consider leaving the organization. Well, part of this program, um, now, did it cause this person to stay? He was involved in this program. He got to participate, and it really changed his perspective on the organization and how he was contributing because the individual, um, and this wasn't anybody I interviewed at the time, but the individual was wondering how much they were contributing and if they could contribute at this, at the level they wanted, at the level and title they were in in the organization. And I think it really opened up their willingness. So, how do you. How do you measure that? Well, there's changes in engagement. There's changes in job satisfaction. Um, There may be changes in the types of programs that um, the person wants to be involved with or how they can help somebody else in another area because Heartland Family Services is pretty um, spread across eastern Nebraska and western Iowa. So how can they share information back and forth? So it gave him a new perspective on how to contribute. So so talking about the measurements, I think um, we could measure a lot. The simple things that I would start with really are um, looking at turnover, looking at um, the cross pollination. Are projects coming from one place, are they being fed to another? Are they working collaboratively across the organization to maybe improve something? And I know their programs are pretty vast but I think there are details that they can pass back and forth. One of the individuals in in the group mentioned, um, which it didn't occur to me right away, but fundraising, she mentioned that she always considered fundraising a part of um, somebody else's job. And then when she went through the program, she thought, Mm -hmm. well, maybe I can take on this role. So perhaps it increased some fundraising activities from some of the individuals, so we can see if it impacted them, and and I'll probably have to do a survey, um, or some a little bit more to go back to these groups and say, where do you think this, this changed your behavior um, in the program, and then how do you think it impacted it, and really look at them from an individual perspective, and then see if we can aggregate that up, you know, throughout the organization. So I got a lot of feedback. I've got a, a lot of good. St- Starts and a lot of good leads, so I'll probably go back to these people and say, "Well, what did you do that was different, and and how do you think it impacted the organization?" But overall, there are some general things I would I would look at engagement, just because they measure it, and I think it's important. I think there are a lot of things that are in there, uh, like job satisfaction, and then I would try and relate um, some of those pieces back to how did the organization perform and. Um, from a fundraising perspective, from a, I know it's not for profit, but from a profit and loss, you know, did did their revenue structure change? And obviously, there's some a lot of things that that we have to try and factor in because John's fairly new and the program's kind of new. So we have to look at was there a difference between John and the previous CEO and was there a difference in the relationships uh, between the VPs and and John. So we have to consider those things in in this measurement Mm -hmm. program later on.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if culture is something that is measurable, You didn't specifically talk about culture, but we we have been talking over the period of time that we've been on the show today, talking about the culture of, for example, quality improvement.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think definitely the culture is going to make a difference, right, if the culture Mm -hmm. changes. I've been in organizations that have uh, brought in new leadership, and even at a line level, a, a new manager can invigorate their staff they can change the productivity of their staff and the way people get along so culture is a huge um factor in this and and john talked about um gosh i it, i just had it uh talked about the culture being together what gosh john what do you call that um Our sanctuary. sanctuary yeah sanctuary model mm-hmm. and i think that is that sanctuary model and, and the whole idea behind the program is bringing um, people closer together. And I think people working together are going to improve the organization. Mm-hmm. So,
2: John, can you describe a little bit more about what you mean by sanctuary model that Carl just mentioned?
0: Well, sanctuary model is, was developed by um, the Andrus Institute in New York and they, they promote it and train people to use it. Um, and, um, we haven't, our agency hasn't been through the official training. Uh, we've just studied it and have been implementing aspects of it um, in our organization um, and sort of redefining our organizational culture around it. But basically, you know, there's, it's the idea that I was mentioning before that uh, when you're working with a lot of people who have experienced lots of trauma, mm-hmm. the worst thing that you could do is have an organization that re-traumatizes to people when they the come to it for help.
2: Yeah. What's that? It continues to traumatize the employees that are working with people who are traumatized.
0: Yes. So we have to create a, a culture that's really supportive for our employees. And, and then by doing that, then uh, we're, help, we're helping our, our clients. And part of the, the sanctuary model teaches you things that you can do specifically with your clients, like having safety plans and those sorts of things. But a lot of it is really about how we treat one another as employees. It's mostly about that. Creating
2: safe environments for people, yeah, and mm-hmm. I don't mean safe as the, in you know free of violence I mean safe where people can be authentic and really engage with one another in an authentic way
0: yes and the, and and as part of the process then as a group of people working together in this agency, we make commitments to several different things, one of which for example is uh, to democratic decision making it doesn't mean that every decision is made by consensus, that would not be practical in a large organization, but it does mean that when decisions are made, people have the opportunity to provide input. Very interesting. And, um, um, and, and so that can happen on a macro scale. It mm-hmm. can also happen on a small scale for a program. For example, uh, we have a couple of residential substance abuse treatment programs for women who are pregnant or parenting children, and um, they brought up the idea of making the programs smoke-free no mm-hmm. tobacco-free, because mm-hmm. research shows that when people are going through um, treatment, if they quit smoking too, they're going to be substantially more likely to um, not relapse after they're done with treatment. And so that that information was brought to them first. The women who were living in community at the time, not just the staff, but the clients were involved in making a decision that, yes, they would go tobacco-free. First one program did it, then the other did it, and then eventually our whole um, agency did it. But it, there was lots of opportunity for input and Democratic decision making. Now there were some people who smoked, who didn't, who weren't for the idea, and some people who didn't, who weren't for the idea. But they, they had the opportunity to share that information.
2: Mm-hmm. And but a decision was reached. However, that process occurred, but people had a chance for input. Yeah. So the, that sense of, of sanctuary is also enabling people, or rather encouraging people, not to feel helpless through the process?
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, to, to you know, to own, to own the organization, to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, sometimes you know, if you if for most of us, like in our age group, you're used to we're used to working in environments where that wasn't really that idea was really sort of foreign that people in charge just made the decisions and mm-hmm. you had to deal with it. And um, and sometimes you could think in a management position used to that sort of environment that gosh this would be so much easier if I could just say look just do this this is what we're nice. going to do do
2: it. Right, Uh, and I think the the traditional organizations are really Um, top-down, but coming back to Leadership Matters, uh, I mean, to Good Works Leadership Academy, what, Carl, you've been saying in terms of outcome is there could be so many reasons why um, individuals have been impacted as employees and why the organization may, in fact, be impacted by employees going through this program. And so how does one begin to kind of flesh these out? Is it more discussions? You mentioned a survey, doing a survey that would get at each individual's ideas or feedback about what leadership, about what, I keep saying leadership matters, but about what the leadership academy means to them. And then, uh, I would imagine, and this is a technical term, how you then control for some of those, those variables, some
3: of those areas. Sure. So, one of the things that I, I want to look at is is business unit performance. So that could be a lot of different things. That could be the number of clientele that they reach or the reduced expenses um, meeting the same clients. And one of the things that I would consider controlling for is, is time and the economy. And, and I know that's difficult to do, uh, but, since John has been there and they 've captured good financial data, I can look at how they 've performed and then try and differentiate between how the economy has changed, how their organization has changed, and then it may come down to um, there is a change now, how much can we assess to the leader the good works leadership program? how much can we attribute to um, a different climate the the of uh, maybe there are more jobs or less jobs available. So we have to try and control for those other variables and, and this scientific method may get a little squishy when we get to the end to say, yeah, we really think it made, you know, a two percent increase in in our revenue margins or profit in in reduced turnover, in improved operations, in new clientele, in Mm -hmm. new fundraising avenues. Mm -hmm. So I want to try and get as many of the operational measures that John has Mm -hmm. and see if there has been a change.
2: Yeah. Well, we're out of this time of this segment. We're going to be back in just a few minutes, but we're going into a commercial break. And so stick with us. This is Leadership Matters, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. We will be right back.
1: Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services call 858-244-8264, that's 858-244-8264, or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
2: Hey! Did you know Voice America has partnered with the KidStar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here.
2: And welcome back to Leadership Matters. I'm Jenny Fruma and we've been talking um, together John Janetta from Heartland Family Service and Carl Peterson who has been engaged with them, uh, helping to do some measurement and outcome um, understandings, I should say, around their Goodwills Leadership Academy, which is an internal leadership program. So, Carl, I'm gonna hand it to you and Kick off with your ongoing conversation with
3: John. Okay, so um, in a couple of the interviews that I've done, the group interviews, we've talked about um, Harlan Family Services has done well, pretty well financially um, over the last couple of years. It's improved, and their engagement has improved. So, one of the things that John and I would sit down and and look at is operationally, what is cha- you know what is changing? Why are these numbers increasing? And then. Try and dissect it. So, uh, John, do you have any places where you think that um, there's been a discernible change that we could go look at?
0: Well, you know, our financial metrics are all um, on, the grow- on the growth on a growing trend. I mean, when I started here, our annual budget was 16.5 million. We're now just shy of 22 million. Just in the last six months alone, it grew by almost um, 12 percent. Our employee engagement. When I started, we were around 78% overall, and now we're at um, a little over 84%. Wow!
2: Do you um, do surveys on a regular basis?
0: Yeah, every year we we um, we used to do one that we invented ourselves. It's about a 40 uh, a 40 um, item instrument that looked at quality and communication and leadership and all kinds of different things,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: then. Um, and it was great because we've been doing it for about 15, 16 years, so you could track historical you data. Can really and compare. See trends. Um but uh last two years ago we went to Best Places to Work, which is a national survey that is administered locally. Our Chamber of Commerce is sort of the lead entity that brings it to the community. And um, but so the value in that is that now we can compare how we do compared relative to other nonprofits as well as for profits of similar size or, or not. And um so that just gives us a little bit more information, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the uh, items are similar. And we're able to bring in five of our own, so we bring in items that we used to have on our our own our own assessment that aren't featured on there. Mm-hmm. So we still have some of that historic data we can track.
2: Well, thank you for that. And back to Carl's question about what other kinds of things would you want to be be interested in looking at as an outcome?
0: So can uh, I chime I in? Think I, oops, sorry. Uh, well, one thing that's um, important to me is. Um, Cross-departmental collaboration and um, how relationships are building outside of particular units or geographies. Because when I first got here, there was quite a few divisions; it was pretty siloed. And um, I, I'm, I think to be really successful in sanctuary, incorporating sanctuary as a model and as our organizational culture, that needs to go away. Because a, a big part of sanctuary is this idea that um, you know it's a safe place. Um, But also that, and and one where um, individuals are certainly encouraged to want to um, grow within um, those areas that are important to them. Um, But at the same time, that there's this shared value and understanding that um, we're called to really look at uh, what's important for the good of everybody as well. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And I certainly see that happening on a micro level, within a department, within maybe even within a group that a therapist is conducting, but overall agency wide, sometimes I get the sense that not everybody is really thinking all the time about well, what's best? Here's what's best for my program. I'm going to advocate for my program, but not thinking about well, how does that how does that position advance the whole agency?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that can be really tough, especially yeah, when you're having. Sure. At some point when in the future, I'm sure we'll have financial shortfalls as things change. We have this huge growing federal deficit that's got to translate into cuts in in funding for some of our programs. And so we'll be in a position where we have to decide, do we support this program or do we support this program Mm -hmm. because we can't support them all?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. Carl, it sounded like you wanted to say something a few seconds ago.
3: You know, I kind of forgot about it because John mentioned networks. And Uh I think networks are important. And I think building those networks, um, we do have to look at how the networks impact the organization. And we talked about knowledge sharing. And there are different ways to look at how people share knowledge, if they're sharing knowledge. And then we can look at um, what kind of knowledge they're sharing to dive in Mm -hmm. deeper into maybe individual um, business units mm-hmm. or smaller departments mm-hmm. to see if it made an impact on that. So mm-hmm. so we can measure the network and see that was there a change in that and, and you know we can do that over the course of a couple of years. Um, and we can look at historical data to see if we can ascertain some kind of how their organization network is working mm-hmm. and then today to see if they're getting along better. There are a lot yeah. of questions in a job mm-hmm. satisfaction right, right. survey.
2: And I We're almost done and out of time. We have just a few minutes left, and I want to make sure to thank you both. I think that this is such an important discussion. Um, it's not just important for me in terms of looking at program evaluation and outcomes, but... How both you, Carl, as a PhD student at the uh, Bellevue University Human Management Human Capital Management program, and John, you as a CEO of a nonprofit, have been working together and and um, creating something that is going to be really helpful to you as an organization and for those of us who want to learn from your expertise and your experience. So, in closing, we have just a couple of minutes. Um, any takeaway moments? Anything that you? you think um, is really important as we close the show that you want to either re-emphasize or make sure to mention? John, do you want to go first?
0: Well, I think um, one is just that I think it's important as a CEO to develop the people that make your agency what it is, particularly in human services. I mean, we're nothing if we don't have really highly engaged, talented people on the front lines interacting with clients Mm -hmm. and helping them Mm -hmm. help themselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, that has to be job number one. And uh, not to be afraid of having everything worked out, every aspect of the curriculum, every way to evaluate, all set up before you start. I say get a chunk of it done, get going, and um, gather feedback through action, Mm -hmm. and just keep making it better.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. And again, thank you for being on the show. And Carl, you have the last word in about a minute.
3: Okay, well, I... It's a great opportunity for me. I think evaluation of a program doesn't have to have a negative connotation, and I think that's the relationship that I was able to build with John. So look at the organization, look at and see if it's important to the organization, and look and see how you would, you would consider measuring it in the future, even if you wouldn't today. And if you don't um, have reservations about the measure, I think you'll get a better program as a result.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, again, I really want to thank you. I think that what you both bring to the table is... um just a wonderful synergy around something that is very meaningful, and that is leadership. And so how we go about really understanding how we're developing leadership within our organizations, Um, we can talk about it and anecdotally understand it better, but being able to wrap some numbers around that and really understand the outcomes for an organization that may be a little more tangible is really important. Thank you both so much for being on the show. I really have enjoyed talking with you, and you're listening to Leadership Matters. Join us every Wednesday afternoon. It's informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Have a great day.
1: Thank you again for tuning in.